So people think, I get this, uh, been having this conversation, and I want to let you know a couple things. This is the end of the year, so I've been thinking about some stuff, and uh, I've been a little bit overwhelmed with how good God has been to us uh, in the last year. Uh, when I say us, I mean my family, and then we'll get to the church in a second. Um, it's been a pretty intense year. Uh, a year ago at this time, we were like just maybe starting to think about planting a church. It was like an idea out there that like I was, we were kind of fighting a little bit. And, uh, and finally, God kind of got through to us in March. And then we decided in March that we were going to go ahead and plant a church in November. And people have said many times, you are out of your mind, right? Uh, I've had this conversation with many people. Even when I went to the church planters, uh, you know, um, where they test you and put you through the, all the people there were like, your timeline's too fast. I don't think this is possible. Why are you doing this so quickly? This is crazy. You are out of your mind. I've heard this many times. Uh, people that I would talk to, are you sure you can handle this? Is this going to be good for your family? Those are good questions, by the way. Thank you for asking them. Uh, you're out of your mind. This is craziness. Well, I, I just want to step back for a second and just give you just a very small report. So in July, we recruited uh, 75 adults to join our launch team. And we launched on November, on November 11th. Uh, we've been averaging a whole lot of people on a weekly basis. Things are going great. Do you know that uh, this year people gave $156,900 to this church so far? That's an incredible amount of money. Yeah. And, and things have been growing fast and we have kind of had a pretty clear vision of what God is doing. And a lot of it has been just an act of obedience. A lot of it has just been an act of obedience. So as we've kind of been processing the, uh, the end of the year kind of thought process, we've been thinking about, okay, where's God taking us next? And I know where he's taking us as a church. He's taking us into community where we're going to be a lot deeper in community as we start these small groups and men's ministries, and women's ministries, and other kinds of things that get us kind of growing in together. But he's also taking us further into mission, right? He's calling us to, to come alongside of ministries in our area that are already doing the mission here, and to align with them, and to get our hands dirty, to get into the ministry, and spend time with the people on the ground. We want to be the kind of church that would be missed if we didn't exist, Right, that's the important thing. And so then as we start the new year, those are two things that we're focused on. We want to make sure that community is a priority and we want to make sure that we are missionally focused to be aligning with the partners that we have in the area. And I've been praying that God would show us a ministry that we could begin that would be something that God birthed out of this church as well. So that's another thing that we're thinking about and praying about. Um, but that's been a, a pretty incredible ride so far to see what God has done at this church. And every week, more and more people, and a lot of people from our neighborhood, a lot of people from the, you know, Moundsview, New Brighton area have been finding their way in and finding a place that's warm and welcoming and finding a, a chance to be part of a church again. And so God has been really, really good to us. And as you process your end of the year, I don't know how you think, but I start to think personally about the things that kind of didn't necessarily go the way I hoped they would go, or some of the things that I'd like to change for the next year. And like, some of those things I'm not going to do anything about, right? I mean, you just know there are some things, like you just probably aren't going to do anything really about some of those <laughs> things. It's like, a pipe, it's like a pipe dream, but you just like, you're like, no, this is just not the season for me to go. And uh, I don't know, I can't, I can't off the top of my head think about what those things are. But, um, and, and then there's some things that you're like, you know what? I really have to get a hold of this this year. Like this is going to be something that's going to derail my life. 
So there's some really, really important stuff that you know you have to get a hold of, and you're thinking about changing that for the new year, right? This is why you show up at the gym and there's all these new people there, or this is why, like, I'll bet you that the increase in, like, Dave Ramsey classes probably goes way up in January, right? Be more patient this year or be more kind, or maybe they're trying to reconcile a relationship with you and they come to you and ask for, uh, for forgiveness. Like, some of that stuff happens because we start processing the things in our life that we're doing. And that's a great process. If the, if the end of the year causes you to pay attention to something and to do something about that, that's really great. Okay, so today I want to talk about uh, this passage, and it's the idea that we can be made new, but it's not necessarily being made new in the activity that we're going to, I'm going to start doing something or change this thing. It's actually really stepping back and being made new in who, in fact, Festus says to him, you are out of your mind because of your deep learning. You are Gone and kind of going crazy. You've gotten so intense at studying all this stuff, at knowing all this stuff, that now you've actually gone to this extreme place of obedience that we think is nuts. Okay, you're out of your head. You're beside yourself. You're out of your mind. This is Paul got thrown at him all the time, and so he starts this this passage with this idea here. He says, "Like, look, if we're out of our mind, as some say, it's for God." He's like, I'm going to be as obedient to God as I possibly can to the point where people think I'm nuts. And I'm cool with that. I mean, that's the kind of life that Paul was living. Right? So he's imploring the church, hey, maybe you should get some of this radical obedience to, to Jesus in your life. Maybe God's calling you to some stuff that might make you look like you are out of your mind. And other points, Paul says, look, the things that we do for Christ, they look like foolishness to the rest of the world. Those people who are, who are lost, who don't know Jesus, they think we're nuts. They look at how we, how we uh, manage our finances, how we use our time, how we raise our kids, the way that we talk, the way that we treat other people, and they think we're crazy. Uh, we need a little bit more crazy, okay? It would be great if you would potentially find some more crazy in your obedience to Jesus. What would that look like for you? Like there's some things probably where you, maybe you have a little bit of fear. You're not necessarily sure you want to go the whole way because you don't want people to think you're nuts. But really, God is calling us to a radical version of obedience to what he's, what he's asking us to do. And Paul is an excellent example. He says, if we're out of our mind, as some people say, it's for God. We're going to be as obedient as possible to what God calls us to. Because if I'm being obedient to God who, who has all the, the details in mind, then that's the best place for me to be. God laughs at the plans that we make and asks us to be obedient to his plans. They're more than what we think is possible. And I can tell you, I fell out of my mind a little bit this year. And God did more than I even thought was possible. I would never have sat down and sketched out what he's done. He's doing crazier things just with the obedience that our family was willing to go for and with all the people who joined us and all the people who started coming and giving to this church. That level of obedience has been intense. We are kind of all out of our mind. But this is good. This is what God wants us from us. This is what Paul is saying to do. And so maybe out of your mind. But then he says, if we are in our right mind, it is for you. So he says, if we're in our right mind. And I want you to understand that Paul, even though he might have seemed like a lunatic sometimes, it was all, everything that he was preaching and teaching and encouraging people to do was grounded. It was grounded in God's word. He never got outside of the, the boundaries that God had placed in the world for us. Okay, and when we open God's word, we see those boundaries of where God wants us to live. And so he might have been a lunatic at times compared to the rest of the world, but he was always within a very orthodox version of what God wants for people to do. That yes, sometimes he calls us 
to a very difficult path, and he wants us to do something very hard. He doesn't always call us to the easy thing, but it's always within the boundaries that he creates for us. And in fact, living in those boundaries is actually a good thing for us. And so maybe you've been kind of feeling like things are out of control in your life, right? You're like not sure about certain things that are going on, or you've been hurt, or things have gone, diff- gone poorly and been difficult this year. Maybe it's time to go back a little bit, rein it in a little bit in some way, and keep your life within the boundaries of what God has set up. And those boundaries are given to us in God's word. If we don't read God's word, if we're not in God's word, if we're not having a relationship with God through his word, then we miss those boundaries, those, those, um, those guidelines for our life. And so Paul was a lunatic in his obedience, but he was grounded in his obedience as well. He was grounded to the guidelines that he was given uh, in the word by God. And so Paul says, essentially, look, listen to my words, look at my actions. I'm sober-minded and know what I'm saying is something that you can trust because it is grounded in the person of Jesus and in the word that God has given to us, right? Paul's main message was, look at what Jesus did for us and do the same thing. Watch, he, he would even say, follow me as I follow Jesus, okay? And so he was grounded in the guidelines that God wants us to live by. So then he goes on, he says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who should live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Christ, Christ's love creates this gospel motion activity in our life. It's the thing that, that pushes us. It's the fuel in the tank. Being accepted, having gratitude in our relationship with God is what drives us knowing that we are in Christ, knowing that Christ has given us forgiveness of sins, knowing that he has shown us what it looks like, grounds us. It gives us the, the uh, fuel that we need to do what God has called us to do. We're compelled by Christ's love. That's the thing. And, and this, I don't know if you feel this, but there's a daily struggle of selfishness in every single human being. Am I going to live for myself today or am I going to do what God has called me to do? Am I going to live for myself today or am I going to serve my family? Am I going to live for myself today or am I going to serve the people that are around me? Am I going to live for myself today or am I going to lay myself down for those who are in my uh, sphere of influence? What am I going to do? And it's a daily grind to put away selfishness and to choose selflessness to Im, uh, imitate Christ's love and, and to allow it to compel us. And you know this is true. You know this is true. Like, here's how I can prove it to you. Guys, I want you to think about what would happen if it was just you living for yourself. Okay, what that would look like, and I can speak only to the men in the room because I can put myself in your, in your thought process. What would it look like if you just lived for yourself? Okay, so here's a, here's a meme. We saw this on, uh, on Twitter last week. That's what it would look like. Uh, tell me we don't struggle with selfishness, okay? I know that when I send uh, my wife, I send her to the East Coast quite a bit to spend time with her family. So there's at least once a year usually where we, she takes the kids and goes out East and I have a week of like bachelorhood, right? Of like just not having any responsibilities. And by the way, you just don't know how selfish you are until you have a family. Then you start to really realize how selfish you are as a person when you have like this screaming infant who does, demands your attention and now you can't be selfless anymore. You're like forced into it, okay? But I know when I send my family out to the East Coast and I spend a week, it's not a great week. Let's be honest with ourselves, okay? This is how my week looks. I get up and work 14 hours because I can. And then I come home and play video games for three hours and eat a frozen pizza. And then I lay starfish style in the bed. Like, that's what a week looks like if I have no other demands of anyone in my life. Like, 
I don't, I don't think about coming home by four to help with, you know, I don't think about cleaning anything. <laughs> that could get old, right? Um, I don't think about my schedule and the, and the time constraints that I have. From I just do what I would do in my natural state, which is essentially to work as hard as I can and to play video games and to eat food that is terrible for me. That's what I would do. I don't know what your version of selfishness looks like, but mine looks something like this, okay? That would be me. And we're in this struggle where we're fighting this selfishness all day, every day. All of us are dealing with this. Selfishness, this serve myself attitude is the thing that we are working against. Because Christ's love compels us to do something different. His love says you can't just serve yourself. I don't want you to just be on an island by yourself serving your needs. I want you to think about all the people around you and how your love, your imitation of what I did affects those people around you. I have called you to make a difference in the world. And I have given you people who you have influence over. And I've asked you to enter into a relationship with them. And I've called you to show them what my love looks like in that relationship. And so no, you can't just play three hours of video games and eat a frozen pizza and work as hard as you can. That's not a thing you can do. I'm calling you to more than that. I'm calling you to selflessness. I'm calling you to lay yourself down for other people. To forget about what you want and to start thinking about what others want. Because Christ's love showed us what that looked like. He didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to provide forgiveness of sins by being beaten and whipped and giving himself up on a bloody cross. But that's what selflessness looks like. And listen, women, I don't know this for sure, but so this was a meme. There was also another meme like, yeah, women are giving men a hard time for what their, their living rooms look like, but this is what a woman's bathroom would look like given selfishness. Right? JK, LOL. <laughs> you can go online and give the person who tweeted that a hard time. Um, we got to get outside of ourselves. We got to start to think about what Christ has called us to and his love compels us to do more. To do more. I want you to know that if you're working towards following the pattern that Christ has put out there for us, there is an excellent opportunity for you in the next month. We are working towards doing our first baptism service. And we have people lined up already who want to make the commitment to be baptized. And do you know what baptism is essentially? Because I think there's a lot of misconception about it. It's a chance for us to put to death our old way of living that when we are put under the water. It's a picture of going into the grave like Jesus did. And then coming out of that water is to say, I've been made into a new creation. And in fact, I put my old way of, of life to death. I put my old way of selfishness to death. And I come out of that water showing the world that I'm now ready to follow what Christ has already done in my life. And the, and the reality that I've already started to live. That's a chance for you to proclaim that publicly. And there's still an opportunity for people to join in baptism. Again, take a card, write, I want to be baptized, and we'll get in touch with you this week. It's going to be amazing for us to baptize new believers and people who have made that commitment in a couple weeks. Maybe God's calling you to do that. So lay aside your selfishness. Put yourself to death and then take on my way of life. So he goes on. He says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. He says, essentially, we learned our lesson. We don't look at people anymore based on their appearance, 
and based on what they can do for us and based on their utility to us, we are no longer going to look at people and objectify them, turn them into an object that serves us. We are now going to become servants to the people around us. And we're no longer going to look at their appearance and the things that the world sees and the way that the world sums them up. We're going to see them the way that Jesus sees them. That in fact, Jesus, if his love is the thing that compels us, he went to the cross for the person that you are looking at. You might sum them up based on what you see with your eyes, but there's so much more happening. There's so much more going on in their life. And people that come into this church, they need to see that. They need to feel that Christ loves them by the way that we treat them. We can't sum people up based on what we see in them. We can't make judgments about them until we get to know them. We can't hold them even to a godly standard before they know Jesus. We just need to wrap our arms around them and love them and accept them and welcome them in. And we need to introduce them to Christ whose love will compel them to be changed. That is what it looks like. That is what we are called to do. We are called to, to, uh, to receive the, the people in the world that find no other place to have community. And you've felt this before, right? You've felt somebody sum you up, make a judgment about you, uh, underestimate what you could do, treat you as though you are not valuable, use you in a way that creates a, a disconnection in your relationship. We have to run the other direction from that. And we need to receive the world and to encourage them to know Jesus and to encourage them to change. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it's actually a low bar. In fact, if you put your faith in Jesus, that is the thing that makes you part of Christ's family and his kingdom. I think we get hung up on, on heaven we get hung up on, I need to punch my ticket to make sure I get into heaven. But what Jesus is offering us is a new life right now. He's saying, if you would find your identity in me, then your life can become new, brand new, right now. There's no reason for you to have to wait until someday. Now, someday is going to be amazing. What the Bible tells us about heaven is that it's just this perfect, blissful place where we are in relationship with God and everything is right and there is no pain and it's unbelievable. But he actually says what you can have now is a new life that brings you purpose, that allows you to feel like you were meant for something and created for something and to find this incredible lifestyle that, that God has offered to us through, through a relationship with Jesus. If you want to be made new, you could make a list of things and start checking them off and work as hard as you can. And a lot of people do that. And we call that religion. But it leads you to failure. At some point in that process, you're like, I'm going to do this better and this better and this better and this better. You will find failure. You will not live up to the expectations that you hoped you would. But if you find yourself in Christ, this new creation, this new relationship, this new thing can happen in your life where now all of a sudden this life becomes what God always intended for it to be. And now you can have purpose and you can feel God's love and you can be in relationship with him and everything can be new. And that, I think, is what the world is looking for. I feel like there are people out there, you know, who have been avoiding areas of their life. They're not sure they want to dig into this area because they don't want that to become new. Oh, maybe I'm okay with this becoming new. God wants to take your entire life and to conform it to his will and to allow you to be free 
within a new relationship with him. You are in Christ if you have received him into your life. And you can build from a new foundation to a life that you always wanted to have. And it is not about your achievement. It is about Christ's sacrifice for you. That's what is being offered to us. And so he says, all of this is from God. In case you weren't sure, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and that he committed to us the message of reconciliation. So it says it multiple times that we have been reconciled so that we can share the message of reconciliation with others. That in fact, Christ has called us to bring this message out into the world. That it's him working through us that allows other people to know Jesus for themselves. Okay, this is not a passive uh, thing that God has called us to. And in fact, if you're looking for like just a really nice feeling on a Sunday morning, I went and sang some songs and then the pastor got up and he made me feel good about myself and then I went home and this week has been a whole lot better because now that is not the kind of Christianity that we are espousing here. God has called us to so much more than that. He has said, I have reconciled you so that you can have the ministry of reconciliation. This idea of reconciliation is a little bit foreign to me because I'm not an administrative person. Okay, so there's different kinds of reconciliation. But I always think of spreadsheets. Okay, if you're like one of those people, I get to the end of a spreadsheet where I'm doing like, you know, tracking something. And it never works. I get to the end and there's always a remainder. Okay, I'm not sure where this remainder came from. I don't know how to fix it. I go back through it and try to figure it out. But it's me just fooling with it, trying to get it to work. And I don't know how many of you felt like your life has left some remainders this year. Or something didn't quite add up, didn't quite work, wasn't the thing you were hoping it would be, you were disappointed by it, something didn't, didn't live up to the expectations that you had, and you have some remainders left over there. Christ has come so that we can have full reconciliation in all those places. The remainders we have in our relationships with people that are broken, he's come to show us what forgiveness looks like and call us to the same thing. The remainders that we have in our, in our finances, the remainders that we have in, in the way that our life is, is running, the way that our, our families are working together, in the, in the decisions that we're making, those remainders can be taken out of the equation if we would find the reconciliation that is in Christ. He has come to take broken things to fix them, to bring them back into harmony. And maybe if you're looking for harmony, this is where you need to go. Maybe things are out of harmony. You felt like this year has just been kind of a mess. You could start new. And Jesus can bring reconciliation into your life. And you can become someone who brings reconciliation into the world for others. This is what God has called us to do. is to be agents of reconciliation. And reconciliation is essentially a change of state. Right? It was, I was here and now I'm going to be reconciled to this place. I was separated from God and now I'm in harmony with him. I was separated from people in my life and I've uh, attempted to find harmony with them. I've changed the state of things. I'm not okay with where they are. And I want to find the reconciliation that God has offered to me. And I want to offer it to the rest of the world. And so this, this passage ends with, with this concept. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. God has called you 
to be an ambassador, to be an agent of reconciliation in the world. He's shown you what it looks like. He's given you an example to follow. And he's called you into this. This is not a passive religion. This is an active relationship with a God who cares about you and loves you and wants to bring things in your life into wholeness and harmony. Maybe that would be a place to start for this year. Maybe coming back into that place of wholeness and harmony with God would be the place to build from. That you would lay the foundation correctly on top of your relationship with Jesus and see the kind of life that God wants to build for you. That is what he's calling us to do as individuals. That's what he's calling us to as a church. Can you imagine if we all connected with that idea? If we all started to live as agents of reconciliation in the world? If every person that we bumped into was just feeling harmony in our lives and understanding that we're in step with God and being called into that. I mean, that is, that is the kind of life that I want to live. That is the kind of life he's called us as a church to be about. So maybe that's the place to begin your year. Let me pray.